Welcome to the Brew Crew Review Podcast, the show by fans or fans of your Milwaukee Brewers. All right, Brewer fans, welcome to the Brew Crew Review Podcast. And with you to this evening is myself, Craig. We've got Vince and Scott on the line. How are you guys doing? I'm great, Craig. Hey, Scotty, is uh, is Chad on tonight? I know he was monitoring the uh, the trade deadline. I uh, no, Chad. Chad's pretty upset. I don't know. I don't think he can be on the show right now. He's in a bad place. <laughs> Aren't we all? Yeah. <sighs> so this might be a difficult episode. <laughs> well. <laughs> The Brewer fans that are tuning in, I guess we're are uh, here for a little cons- uh, a little bit of uh, venting, probably themselves or, or listen to us vent. But anyway, so trade deadline came and went today. Um, shocking news was yesterday the Brewers, who at the time were three games ahead of the Cardinals in first place in the NL Central, August first, twenty twenty, traded. All-star closer Josh Hader to the San Diego Padres. In return, the Brewers received the Padres closer, Taylor Rogers, who is in the last year of his contract. They also acquired Denelson Lamette, um, a right-handed pitcher who is under contract this year for about $5 million, and he's arbitration eligible for only next season, his last year. He's 30 years old. Um, and then two prospects, Robert Gasser, a right hand, or I'm sorry, a left-handed pitcher, um, who was a supplemental first round pick from the Padres in 2021. And also Este Yuri Ruiz, um, center field slash second baseman, the Padres. Um, Yeah. And uh, so, I guess that that was a shockwave. The Brewers did pull off a couple more trades today that we'll go over in a minute. Um, they did not acquire, besides that bat I just mentioned, and Ruiz, who is 23 years old and has had a couple of uh, a handful of bats in major leagues with the Padres this season, and really had a breakout at AAA this year, um, but. Uh, other than that, the Brewers did not add any more bats. So they added two more bullpen arms. We'll go over the details of that, but I'll just mention they're both right-handed pitchers. Matt Bush from the Texas Rangers and Trevor Rosenthal from, uh, I guess, the San Francisco Giants, who just signed them about 10 days ago for $4.5 million. So anyway, yeah, that's the Brewers trade deadline this year. And uh, so there's a lot to unpack there. Um, I guess who wants to start us off on their reactions to the trade deadline? Well, I will. My reaction is not positive. I think that um, (laughs) yesterday I was, well, like I'm sure both of you got, well, I know both of you got our pre-production meeting, but uh, like many Brewer fans, I was a bit shocked. the fact that we traded Josh Hader, I I thought that the guys that we got back, um, I didn't I didn't totally get it. 
uh, I didn't hate it quite as much probably as you, Craig, and I don't know about you, Scott, but that wasn't the point for me. The point was the timing of this thing. Um, to do this while we're in first place is uh, was was really the shock to to me more so than just trading Josh Hader, who you know we've talked about him being on the block for a couple of seasons. I, I you know on our on our show here, so that wasn't the surprise to me. The shock was the timing of it and the fact that it happened midseason. The fact that it happened while the Brewers were not only in contention but in first place uh, is the surprising part to me. I don't think that we got anything that. We also couldn't have gotten in the off season if we were um, set on trading Hater. And I guess the thing to me is that, you know, as we talked about via tax and via our pre-production meeting, I think, I think the Brewers front office may have identified the fact that they don't think that this team is necessarily going to make a deep run in the postseason. which if that's the case, then you've also got to trade other guys who are up for free agency. And I'm not saying I agree with that take. Um, I think that we were a couple bats away from a deeper run perhaps. And that by being a bit more aggressive at the deadline, we could have sufficiently answered those needs and made a run much like the Braves did last year. And that the nationals did in 2019 with, with guys who, again, on paper, we may not be as good as the Dodgers or we may not be as good as the Yankees or other teams, but I do think that given the chance that this group could have made a deeper run with a little offensive help. And if that's not what the front office thinks, then I don't understand why we don't trade guys like Colton Wong and Omar Narvaez to have this like half foot in the water and half foot out of the water mentality doesn't make any sense to me. And when your big get for this season is a guy to, that's also a closer that isn't as good as the closer we just traded to me, that is not an adequate answer from this front office and doesn't really address some of the other needs that um, are clearly apparent on this team. And, you know, I get that this is a frustrating day for all of us, and I'll, I'll you know, obviously want to hear your guys' thoughts. But, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty frustrated. And at last point, I think that if the Brewers were going to trade Hater yesterday, my hope when I woke up this morning was that, okay, this is – this is part of another series of moves, you know, as though, as though, you know, this is going to be part of a, a larger, a larger series of trades that bring in what is overall a better group of guys for this year's team. And that's clearly not what happened today. And um, yeah, I'm disappointed. I, I don't know how else to say it. I'm, I'm pretty disappointed. Yeah. I, um, I, I, I'm, uh, at a little bit of a loss for words, and I, I'm definitely. I think as a Brewer fan, it has to be easy to be uh, a little bit frustrated with it. But I guess when you have potentially one of the greatest relievers of all time, you hope that you're going to get a return of another major league all star or a blue chip prospect. And I don't believe the Brewers got any of that. Um, obviously this is a quantity over quality kind of situation and they, I, Rogers is okay, but I mean, yeah. I, and I, the thing is, is that it's his third team now in two years. So I don't know what, you know, that could just be a coincidence or there could be something there. I don't know, but 
I'm just trying to think, like you were saying, with the whole timing or whatever it is, like just it. The only way that you do this trade now is if you think that Hayter is going to lose so much value and not be able to help the team for the rest of this year. Obviously, he's been scuffling a little bit. Rogers, by the way, has been struggling as well. So um, it's not exactly like we have a a kind of a sure thing there. But um, I, it's it's basically it's not giving a vote of confidence to Hayter, like to think that he's going to be able to, you know, work through his recent struggles and get through the end of this year and, and be a positive impact on the team. Um, but it's also, it has to be kind of letting down the people that currently are on this team. Because well, that's, yes, Scott, yeah, you're in sorry, first place. No, yeah. no, I mean, they're like, all the fans look at it and they're just like, guys, you, you know, I mean, I, I don't know, but I'm, I'm willing to bet that our record has been this or better at this point of the year. What, five maybe 10 times in our history. It doesn't happen very often. And to just punt a year like this, disappointing. I mean, they didn't quite yeah, yeah. punt a year, but their whole thing was we want as many bites of the apple as we can. Well, what about this year? Where's the bite of the apple this year? You know, uh, yeah. I don't know. That, yeah, that's and, all I got and, for now. I'm sure I'll ramble more later. <laughs> Well, no, and you saw the reaction, Scott, to your point from Devin Williams today in the clubhouse. And, you know, you could argue, and I, I would argue, that it was a bit unprofessional of him to to make some headlines maybe in his reaction. Uh, but at the same time, I, I also don't think that he's wrong, um, quite frankly, in his disappointment. And I'm sure that, you know, other guys are thinking the same thing, even if they're not articulating that. Um yeah, I so that it so so for me it's not it's not that I don't it's not that I think that Rogers or Ruiz or any of these guys are bad. It's not that. I for me it's more just that if you're gonna trade a guy like Josh Hader, you better make sure that you get back something that's pretty special. And if you're not gonna get that back, you don't have to deal him. And certainly you could look to deal him in the off season and probably still get something similar in terms of this return. And I think that I, if it was me, quite frankly, I, I would have to be blown away to move Josh Hader. And that goes for this season. And quite frankly, it goes for this off season as well, because of the guys that we have under contract for next year, I probably would have just written it out and taken the draft picks that we would have gotten if Hader would have left us in free agency. And by the way, that's also an, if you don't know, you could have tried to extend them. I don't know. But I, I certainly would have made sure that if I was going to trade the best closer in baseball, that either one, I was very sure that he was kind of washed up. And maybe that's the case. Maybe we don't know something there. I don't know. But number two, the the only other option is that you get blown away by a trade offer. And I don't necessarily get blown away, even though I don't I don't hate any of these guys or dislike them. It's just and I think the Ruiz does have some potential for what it's worth, but it's not potential that's really going to be seen on the field in 2020. And that, that to me is the bigger issue. You got to get blown away to move a guy like Josh Hader. And if this was a return that we got for, you know, Colton Wong or something, I, it's fine. You know, I get that. But like for probably your best trading chip, 
um, that you would have out there this year. Uh, that that was the disappointment along with the timing. Yeah, I mean, just I guess speaking to the Devin Williams um, reaction, I guess, and maybe he it's a microcosm of the entire Brewers Clubhouse reaction. I actually watched the video, and to me, the, he was asked, "What you know? What's your reaction?" And he he started by saying, "I don't really have much to say," and then he was continuing to ask questions. So then he, of course, kind of forced to say some stuff. But the takeaway from this is that he was very hurt. I mean, it, it was obvious in his voice, in his demeanor, um, that he and, – and the reason why he was hurt – and, again, he's a younger guy, a more mature veteran would probably be able to, you know, handle answering that question in the media in a more professional way because of his experience. Um, and we've already known about Devin Williams' immaturity and experience from, you know, events that happened last postseason – However, really, he was hurt because this front office gave up on him, gave up on not him, but the entire team. I mean, the Brewers, when this trade went down, were three games over the Cardinals in the NL Central and had been in the first place team for the majority of the year. So, so I mean, that when you – I think that that's why this came out of left field, not only for Brewer fans, but for the Brewer players themselves, because as follows our podcast, know, we've been talking about how valuable Josh Hader is to the Milwaukee Brewers, how valuable he is. He would really be to any other playoff contender uh, at any points via trade. And we had talked about, you know, trading him over the past couple of possible off seasons or trade deadlines. And as time passed, um, it really, the Brewers continued making the playoffs, continued being a really quality team. So then something tra- switched. We're like, you know what? We're keeping Josh Hader. We're going to ride this out and we're going to, you know, try to use his window before he hits free agency to, you know, we've got a Cy Young Award, reigning Cy Young Award winner and Corbin Burns. And we have a breakout rotation guys and Brandon Woodruff and Brian Peralta. And you can even lump like Eric Lauer into that maybe now. And, Devin Williams is an awesome setup one-two punch with Peter. Do you have all the ingredients there to be a, a quality playoff team year in and year out? So this is like a window of opportunity, I think, for at least all Brewer fans and Brewers themselves thought to really make two nice playoff runs at this year and next. And then if you have to lose Hater, you lose Hater. But the flip side of that was, okay, let's just say that the Brewers instead this year were not in a driver's seat for a playoff spot or driver's seat to win the division at this point in the season. Let's say that they were not only three games back of the Cardinals for the division title, but let's say they were three games back of the last wild card as well. And then this move would have at least been speculated upon. Like, now we might not have the offensive season do it. Should we try to, you know, have a franchise altering trade or not pass on a franchise altering trade of Josh Hader if it presents itself I think that there would be more of a palette with the fans and even the players if that were to have happened but that just simply is not the case here and so I think that's the the most shocking thing is that it it just shows that the front office 
gave up on a first place team. And, and as a Brewer fan, longtime Brewer fan who've gone through many, many seasons uh, of still following a team, even though they're in, you know, uh, nowhere near first place and losing up to hundred games per season, still following them in and out, like to ever imagine that there'd be a time when the Brewers would be in first place on the trade deadline and still be selling off their best players that would be shocking to me. And that's exactly what just happened. Um, so that's really tough for any Brewer fan to take and anyone in the clubhouse on the team too, because they're, these guys go to battle every day with one another. Devin Williams is out there with Josh Hader in the bullpen and all the way around. And so they're just hurt and shocked as much as Brewer fans. And so I think that's, yeah, that, that's the number one take. But you don't bring, you don't bring it up to the public. I mean, it, you know, that's like bringing your job problems up to a reporter. I mean, you just don't do that. I'm not mad at Devin Williams. I get it. I think it shows some emotional immaturity. But the point here is that, you know, the Brewers front office made some decisions that I don't think any of us agree with. You know, I I, I fail to see how, you know, Devin Williams made any comments that are productive, but that's not really the point of all this either. I, I mean – it is what it yeah. is. I, I watched the entire I clip, and I, I don't think he said anything that I thought was unprofessional, really. Well, I think you say no comment. I think you just don't say anything. I think that that's what you say. And Well, that's actually what he started that, off. That is what he started off by saying, I don't have much to say, but then he was continually uh, badgered upon it, where then he, again, and, and that's where uh, a more a more veteran player would just you know, like to say next question or move on or whatever. and so but he let the motions get the best of him but he was he was literally hurt and he was expressing himself but it wasn't in a way that I felt was unprofessional but the bottom line is getting back to the fact that it had the brewers given the fact that the brewers you know did make the decision decision to trade Josh Hader I think that the brewers did in spite of all that get the hall the value that josh Hader should bring back i think there'd be less the shock of of the actual maneuver would have been cushioned by a lot and i just don't think that's there like you guys already mentioned like scott mentioned there's no blue chip mlb player in this trade there's no blue chip prospect in this trade this trade makes little to no sense it's not necessarily a seller move where we're only getting prospects, it's not necessarily a buyer move either. It's a hybrid of that, which is fine. But the fact that in the 24 hours that followed the trade, the Brewers did not do anything else to address their inadequate offense. Yeah. The trade deadline hit really just begs the question of why did they even bother taking back Taylor Rogers? I mean, if they were going to, say okay well well because i'm sure the padres insisted on it i'm sure that the padres made that well, yeah well that's apparent well then that. they should have have yeah. if they insisted us taking him we should have yeah that's fine but then we should have got squeezed out more value on top of that i, I just think that I, I i hate to say it the, i really feel truly in my heart that and i hope i'm wrong don't that the brewers got that got completely fleeced on this trade I mean, I really do. I, I I hope I'm going to be wrong, but time will tell. You know, maybe one of these guys is going to be a star, and and we can go over the players and you know spin that the best that you can. But in reality, there's no doubt that in the last 48 hours, the 
2022 Milwaukee Brewers are a worse team than what they were 48 hours ago. Yeah. And, and that's really tough to swallow for a first place team's front office to somehow off, I, I guess. And that's, I don't know. I mean, it's frustrating to be a Brewer fan to begin with, but then <laughs> to pass up on like Scott's wording of it, bites of the apple, when you have opportunities like this that are really cherished uh, by Brewer fans, it's, that's tough to swallow. Um, yeah. I, to- I totally, I totally agree with all that. That's that there's no question to me that this 2022 team was made worse by the deadline. I, I guess the, I just keep coming back to the fact that maybe that we are, and or other fans maybe overvalued this team a bit. I, and, but that being said, you know, if you win your division, anything can happen in the playoffs. I don't understand why you don't get, why don't you, why don't you follow the Braves model from last season, which was to get a couple of rental bats and, you know, I understand that it's not totally sustainable, but what the Braves did last year was they basically replaced a very injured outfield with some rentals and guys like Jock Peterson and I don't know, pick your pick your out. Or, yeah, yeah. I mean, you guys. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Oh, Solaire, who won the World Series MVP last season, and you know, you you bring in rentals. They're not going to cost you a ton of money. They're guys that are going to be around for, you know, a couple of months, no matter what their salary is, any team in baseball should be able to afford a couple of months of a player. I mean, I, I just think that I, I, again, I don't know who exactly would have fit the bill that the Brewers could have done that with, but I know that other teams, 20, 20, what did I see the stats today? Scott, your interns gave it to me. 28 of the 30 teams made a deal within the last week in baseball. Some were sellers, some were buyers, obviously. But you can't tell me that we didn't have some opportunities. And I've already heard the Brewers front office um, use some of our beat reporters and our colleagues, guys like Adam McKelvey, who I like uh, generally. But, you know, using these guys to make statements that basically tried to to give the Brewers out, the Brewers front office an out. Uh, with David Stearns and others saying, oh, well, we tried and nothing really came available. I'm like, you know what? 28 other teams were, uh, were able to, to make something happen. Something, you know, whether whether it, was all, it wasn't all offensive moves, obviously, but there were bats that were available on this market and we didn't make those moves. And I think that that's something that the media, besides us, that really cover this team, we have to be able to ask and get some answers to those questions because I feel like nothing, no one is, is being held responsible in the Brewers front office right now on behalf of the fans who are very frustrated. And I understand why. And I, you know, where we might differ is I don't, I don't blame the MLB system for this. Like, I don't think it's economics of baseball. I don't think this is an economics of baseball issue. I think that this is, uh, this is something Lena and I were talking about earlier. I think this is almost David Stearns trying to be like, cute or something you know like right like, like too smart for his own good or something like yeah right and, and I, I say that very sincerely right and I, I and we we I'm I'm being very sincere with that um thought and I I think that it's like you've overthought this a little bit we need two bats that's what we needed we got you know as we said a million times on this podcast we we got Hunter Renfro in the offseason which was great he replaces 
he replaces Avi Garcia, right? And then you get McCutcheon. That's great. You still need one, at least one, maybe two more bats. And that's what you need to do to be a true contender to go past the first round of this playoffs. So if Stearns wasn't willing to do that again, fine. If that's the, if that's the analysis and that's the, that's the, that's the final verdict, then you got to trade Colton Wong. You got to trade Omar Narvaez. You got to make it clear that we're going to rebuild or we're going to be, you know, retooling for next season or whatever it is. Not this halfway stuff. That's, that's what drives me nuts. The Milwaukee Brewers don't rebuild. They reload. I don't know. Yeah. I hate that phrase. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and it probably applies to like every other sporting yeah. team before the Brewers. Oh my God. But, um, by the way, I actually have some breaking news. Unfortunately, it's terrible news from uh, our offsite co-host, uh, Chad Collins. Uh, he is giving us oh, breaking yeah. news. Unfortunately, that Finn Scully has passed away. So got, things couldn't get too. me worse. Jeez. But ninety four years ninety four years old, uh statement from the Dodgers. He was the voice of the Dodgers and so much more. He was their conscience, their poet laureate, capturing their beauty and chronicling their glory from Jackie Robinson to Sandy Kopax, Kirk Gibson to Clayton Kershaw. Ben Scully was the heartbeat of the Dodgers and in so many ways the heartbeat of all of Los Angeles. So as much as I don't like the Dodgers, uh I have a ton of respect for Ben Scully. All he meant to the history of the game. I thought he was a great radio broadcaster. Yeah, truly. I mean, one of the best ever. <laughs> yeah, no, there's so many iconic moments with him or whatever. And um, it just seems like he was just in the booth a couple of years ago or whatever. So, I mean, crazy. But, um, yeah, so um, I guess let's, now that we've kind of vented, so so to speak, um I mean, there's still. Can I just say to put to put a bow on the Vince Scully thing? I'm sorry to interrupt like that, but like just to finish that point, I'm thinking, well, at least Vince Scully got like one last World Series, you know, like basically like he was alive to see it, like for the Dodgers. So that's really cool. It'd sure be nice if we could do that for Bob Euchre, but we kind of just punted 2022. So hang in there, Bob. We'll see what we can do. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah. So, um, so I guess let's get into more specifics of the, of the trade and what your thoughts are on like the players that we actually acquired. Obviously we, we've touched a little bit about Taylor Rogers. Um, and then obviously, yeah, he'll be, he'll be a much better closer than what we had already this season, I guess. Oh, wait, (laughs) he, he did start off very well. Well, after being traded, he came over via trade, actually, the Padres, just this offseason from the Twins. Um, and, and he actually, he was doing very well in the Padres. Falls off the first couple months of the season. He had a rough last month or so, uh, including some pretty horrific blown saves. And, uh, I think even against the Brewers, luckily. But, I mean, yeah. But for the <laughs> most part, um, I think a lot of that was happening just because he's on Scott's fantasy team. But, um, yeah. So the fact that um, I guess I'll just I'll just start by saying well, let's just you know, we'll go around the four players acquired via just the hater trade and just comment on what your thoughts are on them. Obviously, he's just under contract for this year, so he's purely a rental, and we're past the deadline, so we can't quote unquote flip him like I think some people are trying to spin 
So we really are going to use him uh, to try to make the playoffs this year. Um, I guess, first of all, I'm, I'm going to assume Devin Williams will be given the closer role right out of the gates here and that uh, Taylor Williams will be used as a, a setup man or even a left-handed, you know, fireman, as Scott likes to call him. And someone who can come put out the fire against any lefties that are coming up and whatever. But um, I assume that he could he could be inserted in the closer role for all we know, though. So he he will be definitely part of a big part of our bullpen for the rest of 2022. I think the chances of us resigning him is probably fairly low from the command that he, or the price that we command. But maybe he'd be a great fit. Maybe he'll end up the season well. I don't know. I do like Taylor Rogers. I think he's got a ton of talent. Um, he is a major step down from Josh Hader and from the intimidation factor alone. Um, so there's that. Um, so I guess, uh, and then we'll go over the rest of the players, but so what, if you want to quick, just take your take on Taylor Rogers, as far as the acquisition and what your thoughts are on the player. Yeah, not Josh Hader. And again, he's only a brewer for the rest of the season for his contract. So um, yeah. Hey, do you guys think that there's any chance that Hader just kind of showed something that week before the all-star break that would show the Brewers front office that he is, he was kind of losing his abilities. Sorry to derail the topic. I, I had read something online that some scouts, I don't know if they're Brewer scouts or whatever, but that's what the article I read said. Scouts had told him that he was tipping his pitches in the last month. Um, so that, I think that he was probably making some corrections on that. So I don't, but, uh, and then also it was very well documented that um, Josh Hader and his wife were having some difficulties with uh, their pregnancy um, and there might've been some mental aspects to the last month for him too. They did welcome a healthy um, baby boy, I believe um, over the last couple of weeks, but I mean, uh, yeah, I think that that for what for what it's for what it's worth, Craig. I actually spoke with Josh in person last week. Not um, well using our yeah. press passes, but still spoke with him and um, actually spoke with him twice in the last week during his last homestand as a brewer. And uh, he said that the baby was doing great, and so was his wife. For what it's worth, and that would have been yeah last week last week on Friday. So I, I don't know, but um, that actually did come up and Lino's with me and, and we were talking to him for a while and he, he mentioned that. So um, yeah. Okay, so then, yeah, that, that's pretty good inside information. And usually we get that from T. Yeah, Tom Carter. From Tom Carter, our anonymous source. Yeah. Tom, Tom, uh, Tom, our anonymous, Tom Carter, our anonymous source was pretty quiet. This deadline. He didn't really say much of anything in our group text thread, which was kind of huh. fun. Yeah. Yeah, I think he said something like, I don't even talk to you guys anymore. Last time I talked to him, I said, All right, we'll talk to you again. See you next time, Tom. But TC, yeah, he's a good friend. Yeah. So um Yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, so but yeah, you could be it could be right. I mean, maybe the brewers did see something but that was a red flag that they said, you know what, maybe we should trade him before his value completely tanks. I don't know if I buy that, uh, but it's possible. But I guess we shall see. I mean, if he's absolutely horrific for the Padres this year, where they're not even going to offer him a contract next year, arbitration, I should say, uh, I would find that very hard to believe. But uh, I guess we shall see how it plays out. But um, 
I guess that would explain this ridiculous decision the Brewers made, but unfortunately, I'm not going to hold my breath on that one. Um, so, well, yeah. So then, uh, well, I guess rather rather than do each, let me talk about the other players required. And then you can just comment overall on which of your players you know you, you like the most, least, whatever. So obviously, Denelson Lamette, he's 30 years old. He had a really nice season a couple of years ago as a starter. I think he fit in the top five in the NL Slang Award voting. He had a ton of potential, but he had some struggles and he got moved to the bullpen, had some struggles there. He's got sent to AAA, has spent much of this year at AAA and put up some decent numbers there. But I think the Brewers have already came out and said that they've envisioned him as a bullpen arm going forward. Obviously, he could start if the need arises or something and that they stretch him back out. But um, he is making like five something million this year, which is, you know, he, it's the second last year of arbitration eligibility. It means he's got one more of arbitration eligibility left. Um, there was talk that the Padres probably weren't even going to offer, you know, tender him a contract beyond this year. So to me, he's someone that really didn't have much, if any value, uh, in this trade, but could be a surprise for us this year and next. You never know but he's a complete wild card and not much value in my opinion. Okay. Moving on to the next, uh, the two prospects. Well, wait, what about our, what, a, wait, what about our opinion? Oh yeah. 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 Don't we matter? Well, yeah, absolutely. Well, no, I was going to say, I was going to throw, I guess I shouldn't give it. I was going to talk about each of the guys we had then can each talk, but yeah. What are your thoughts on Lament? I guess. I think there's a little more upside from what you said, Craig, to be totally honest. Um, whether I don't think he was worth Josh Hader or like, you know, making him a more of a centerpiece in this trade. So that's my disappointment. It's not, I don't think, I don't think Lamette is totally worthless. I, I saw what he did in 2020, obviously in the COVID shortened year and, and he was great that season. So there's something potentially there, but um, I'll be interested to see what the Brewers, um, you know, sort of pitching guru camp thing in Arizona can do with him. Uh, but yeah, I, I wouldn't have made him the centerpiece in this trade or anything. Scott, are you a Denelson Lamette fan? Um, I am not. I, uh, <laughs> I think he's always had a lot of potential, but it's always been for him anyway, just being able to harness it. Um, he has, he has, um, some pretty electric stuff actually just too many walks and too many hits and like just overall lack of consistency doesn't hit his spots enough and um don't get me wrong if he was 22 I'd, I'd be excited about it but he's not he's been around a while and um no he has negative value he's going to be owed like at least five million dollars next year I don't even know if he's going to be on the roster next year I really don't so we might just non-tender him. <laughs> so, yeah, very little value. My guess is that the Brewers have identified probably at least one of his pitches that they feel would make him an elite bull, back of the bullpen arm, so to speak, rather than a rotation piece. And I think that maybe they'll even groom him for either being a setup man or slash closer, whatever you want for next year's team with Rogers not coming back. So I think that they envision for our 2023 Brewers that Lamette and Williams will be kind of our one, two punch at the back of the bullpen. 
but that's total just gas on my part. I mean, I really, there's no inside information from TC on this one. I, I just feel like that's what they've identified and that they're going to send them to the pitching camp, whatever, and, and see what they can do. Whether or not he contributes this year, I think would be, you know, more, um, I guess a bonus, so to speak, because I, with the other guys we acquired, our bullpen's pretty full up. I mean, it's getting pretty full with guys that, you know, we will with more experience that we'll probably rely on in the back of the bullpen rather than someone like him. But um, yeah, I guess that's my take on it, that the, the Brewers saw something that they, that they thought they can make, make do out of, so to speak, but to have him as a, I mean, he, we only got four players for Peter and we're talking about two of them that aren't very special at all. So that's terrible. So anyway, let's move on to the prospects. <laughs> Um, Lamette has negative value in and of itself. He would probably be acquired for a bag of balls. I mean, literally, like he's going to be owed a lot of money next year, and he hasn't he hasn't lived up to his contract in I don't know almost his whole career. So, I mean, quite honest, I, I, certainly I, I, like someone's a throw in. If they're bad throwing, have someone thrown in. I much would have rather have been. Uh, you know, granted the Padres picked up his entire contract for this year because uh, he's also would be a rental, but I would almost prefer them picking up Will Myers and so that we could have actually added a bat for this year. No, no, Lament. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, <laughs> not. I, I guarantee if you pulled GMs across nope. the league, if they'd rather add to their squad to Nelson Lamette or Will Myers, the answer would be Will Myers, but yeah, I. Neither, neither is the better option. Well, of course. I say more about Lamette than, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Will Myers. I forgot. I forgot Will Myers was even still in baseball. It's ridiculous. He's yeah. Yeah. Oh, remember that comment? We're gonna do a callback to that when we talk about Trevor Rosenthal. I didn't know he was in baseball either. I didn't didn't either. (laughs) Oh my god. Good times. Yeah, All right. Well, um, the Asturi Ruiz, um, he's really having his breakout season in the minor leagues this year, which is in El Paso, which is a notorious hitters park. He is hitting, I think, 330 with like 60 stolen bases and 13 home runs. Um, however, pro- previous this year, his minor league numbers were not too good. In fact, he was ranked. 28th out of the 30 Padre prospects coming this year by MLB.com. I think he's probably moved himself into the top 10 with the year he's having for the Padres before this trade. Um, so I think that the Brewers, I'm guessing that they, they really thought he was a centerpiece. He can play all three all field positions, but uh, really he's good at he's obviously being fast and good in center. He's also had some experience on Myers at second base. Um with that being said, I think that he, as the future major league role, will be, quote unquote, a fun bench piece. So I don't personally <laughs> ever be a long term major league starter. I hope I'm completely wrong on that. Uh, moving on to the other prospect, Robert Gasser, left handed pitcher. He pitched at the uh, college, actually, at Houston. Uh, and the Padres nabbed him in the supplemental first round uh, just in 2021. He is already, I think, 21 years old. I do like him. He's putting up decent number at a double A. He's got a kind of a funky left-hand delivery, almost similar to Ethan Small, 
And even though he only throws in the low 90s, he's able to generate a ton of swing and misses and strikeouts, also very much like Ethan Small. So there's something about the profile of that left-handed pitcher, the funky delivery that doesn't throw that hard but can still strike guys out that apparently intrigues the Brewers front office because we just got another one. And I do and I do like him and, and, and hope for the best for him. However, my take on him is that he's really his ceiling is probably like a number four realistically a number five starter. So again, that's disturbing, but anyway, uh, so I want to hear your guys overall comments on the prospects. I, I don't even know. Cause I didn't talk to uh, anyone's interns before the, the show here, but is, did you say guess went to the university of Houston? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, uh, and my, he was, uh, Stearns has had a man crush on him for about five years, I want to say. So uh, I, I certainly don't want to think that, like, Stearns is like, you know. Is that what like, Stearns said, or where are you getting like, that? Where did you get that info from, Scott? Your interns? Um, he, said in, he said in his presser that uh, he, did. He, did. He, he, like, has been watching him. Like, since he oh, was okay. with the Astros organization, he was high, like, they had highly rated him and he was excited about him and, you know, they didn't get him obviously. So he's thinking, Oh, all right. Yeah. This guy's been great. So I don't know. He's been on his radar a long time. That's basically oh, okay. a short version. Yeah, that's, that's true. Um, I, I'm a little higher on these guys and you might be Craig. Uh, I put a little less faith and stock into the whole prospect ranking system. I mean, it's just, it's it's a little it's a little fluid it's a little arbitrary i mean if if Ruiz well, I, I can agree with that and, and again i'm not i don't even know i think gasser was at the particular top 10 or something like that like around seven i think but yeah i don't i don't i like i don't put a ton of weight in the rankings with that big it, these guys are far from blue chippers period well that's fine but you know it's not it's not like it, yeah, I mean, when you've got a guy that within a couple months span can go from 28th to 9th or whatever Ruiz just did, and if you've got, I don't know, when you look back at the top 10 list from the Brewers in the past decade, decade and a half, you're going to find a lot of misses in that top 10. So I, anyways, my point being is I, I just, I don't, I don't put a ton of stock into the rankings themselves, you know, in terms of who's 15th versus who's 17th or something like that that being said i mean what's weird to me is that when we get to our other trades that the that the brewers made particularly today when we're trading a guy who's in our top 20 and replacing him with one guy in the top 20 of another organization uh that's just it's a little weird to me when you're giving up your best pitcher but that's just me yeah no yeah i, I think Oh, go ahead, Scott. Sorry. I I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I'll say this. I drafted Taylor Rogers in fantasy because I thought that when he's on his A game, um, he's a top 10 closer. Like, he he potentially is is quite good. Like, if you told me that Rogers would outpitch Hader for the rest of the year, I wouldn't be all that shocked. Um, but – and, and then I'm trying to think of, like, what scenario would this be good? I guess if Rodgers outpitches Hater for the rest of this year, um, 
you know, that that's a start, but still just not getting the return that, that you expect. Like, I don't know. We are, it's so weird. I just think about like Doug Melvin just saying like, Oh, you know, I mean, um, you know, we're not a small market team, but now like, we're kind of like, Oh, kind of a small market team guys. So I don't know. Like, I, I get why it's been done, but I, I think Rogers is very, very good. I think um, he's scuffled a little bit lately in much the same way the hater is. So there might be a few question marks there, but I think he'll be all right. Um, as far as the prospects go, I think I'm really going to like Ruiz actually, because um, he is really fast. He doesn't strike out a lot. And honestly, those are two of my favorite things in baseball. Even though people are like, well, he's not going to OPS a lot. Well, okay. You know, it's fine. But, like, honestly, I just want a guy at the top of the order that can find a way to get on base, feel second, and then you got three chances to knock him in. And I think that's huge. Um, it's, it's instant offense, even though you're not going to get the home runs. Like, I just think being at the top of the order is so important. I still value it quite a bit. So, I think that there's some potential there, certainly, but – Again, you're talking about the Padres' 28th best prospect. So, um, and Gasser's really good. Three pitches. Um, what was it? I think fastball curve changeup, something like that. But um, all equally good. Good control pitcher. And I, I love pitchers that can throw a good changeup. I think that's extremely important in today's game. Um, Batters don't like to be made a fool of, and a changeup can do that if you have a really good one. And sometimes they start swinging a lot more defensively because they don't want to be made a fool of. And, yeah, so I think he'll be just fine, too. But, again, it's nothing – like Vince said, too, it's nothing against any of these guys. I think they're all great, like except for maybe Lamette. But <laughs> um, <laughs> that doesn't mean – that doesn't mean we got the value that Josh Hader's worth. We frankly did right. not. Even if these guys wind up being great or whatever, like you could have very easily made an argument that we could have gotten more. And and again, the not. timing. If you would have told me we decided we weren't in contention, we decided to trade Hader deadline next year when he was impending free agent, I still would have thought that this would have been a a light package, so to speak, a light return for Josh Hader. And, and the fact that you, the Padres could literally use him for their playoff run this year, which they're obviously going to be, you know, pretty loaded up for. Because um, we forgot to mention, they also got Juan Soto and uh, Josh Bell today. But um, the <laughs> they, could, they could easily, let's say they somehow aren't in contention next year at the train deadline. I believe that they could flip Josh Hader and trade him next year at the trade deadline and get more than they just gave up. And, and so they're basically in the scenario getting a year of Josh Hader for free, which is just sickening to me, but yeah. So I don't know. And so just because Stearns had a man crush on this gasser dude and the Padres, <laughs> they're like, Hey, we got something that Stearns wants. Let's go talk to him about Hader. Let's, let's do this. We're going to get Soto anyways. And Vince, you made a great point. We were a text today that, Oh, we're kind of wondering why wasn't Mackenzie Gore in this deal? Why wasn't Robert Hassel in this deal? Why wasn't at least yeah. like James Wood in this deal or something? And the, the answer was, Oh, because they were all included in the Soto deal. So there was, 
there was only yep. so I don't know. It, it almost seems like Stearns and the Brewers front office had this quote unquote settle for this package uh and return for Hater. And when it was Stearns admitted that he wasn't the aggressor on this trade, that Keller reached out to him. I mean, it is what it is. I, I hope the best for these guys. Um it is odd to me that the Brewers front office has this type of player that they keep drafting and trying to develop that Scott, you're saying you love these leadoff types and that's great. Yelich is a leadoff type. Now um, our number one draft pick all the way back from Trent Grisham was kind of a leadoff type profile. Um, let's see who else uh, Garrett Mitchell leadoff type profile. Um, we still have him in the system. Sal Freelick, our, our first round pick from last year, leadoff type profile. Um, and so now we added an, another guy, like how many leadoff hitters do you need? Um, only one. <laughs> and, and unfortunately we're stuck <laughs> for the next like seven years. So not that these guys can't have value in other parts of the lineup or can not, you know, not be trade bait or whatever, but where's our middle order franchise batter to replace the Yellage or to replace a Ryan Braun. Guess we don't have one. So we're not going to be finishing with a high yep. anytime soon. It's not going to be easy to get one period. So these leadoff types yeah, that- all well and good, but we need a different profile in my opinion. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't, you know, I don't think that David Stearns turned down a better offer or something for Josh Hader. I guess my point is, is why trade him at all then, you know, like he's not a free agent this off season. And even if he was Brewers are not out of contention, like there was no need to have to trade Josh Hader yesterday. That that's the thing I keep coming back to is, you know, the timing of this just doesn't seem to make any sense to me. I, I, Again, it's not about disliking any of these guys. This package, if this would have happened in the offseason, you know, I think I think coupled with other moves, it could make some sense. But it wasn't coupled with any other moves, and the timing was awful. And that's, that's just what I keep coming back to. I just don't understand how you do this to a team. And, again, if you think that this team is not built to, to get past the first round of the playoffs or even to make the playoffs, then – fine but then you've got to trade some other guys too you know and and get rid of some other guys who are going to be free agents the i just this it doesn't make any sense to me so i i definitely understand the frustration by you know i i think a report uh, came out about a month ago where stearns actually was asked by the media you know what do you make you want to make a big splash this trade deadline or improve this offense and no he said he said no they're not going to he, I don't know the exact quote, but it was something along the lines of we're not planning on doing much, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I sent that. I sent that to you. I sent that. Yeah. I remember. And, and yeah, it's right. so, this seems like it might be much, though. <laughs> no, but I, I think. Not that, in a good way, though. I, I think no. if he top, was like, we're going to trade, where he's like, we're going to have, we're going to have a trade and it's going to involve one of the best players in baseball. We'd be like, oh my God, this is awesome. But we're going to ship We're getting away. Soto. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, no, I nope. think at the time that he said that, all of us were like, well, this is his like, uh, poker face, his bluff, and he's going to do something, right? It'll be minor. But, yeah. But I think had he not, and he not pulled the trigger on this Josh Hader deal, if he did not actually pull the trigger on that, and all he got for us was two bull, bullpen arms and, um, Matt Bush and Trevor Rosenthal, um, we would be like, well, that was a little bit shocking that we didn't try to improve the offense, but that is what he said. So 
I guess it is what it is. But, but at that point, I think we'd still be able to swallow that as Brewer fans because we'd still have Hater and we'd still be kind of, you know, have a better team than we do right now, in my opinion. So it wouldn't be. That's, It'd be like last year. It'd be yeah, like so, last year. and Yeah, yeah. exactly. I, so I made this point to you guys via text several times, but, you know, Stearns at the deadline is not, has not had a tremendously good track record. 2018 no. was the only year I can remember him making moves that I felt were the right and correct moves. And that was even throwing in the mulligan with Jonathan Scope. But we also did get Mike Moustakis and Joaquin Soria and Xavier Cedeno and Curtis Granderson, all moves that I liked. All, all those guys were helpful. But it seemed like in other years, I mean, 2019, we traded Dubon for, and Ray, uh, for for Ray Black. Yeah, in Pomeranz, and I think that was it. And then 2020, there were no moves because of the pandemic. And then last year, our big move was what Escobar, which was okay. But then Daniel Norris and John Curtis. I mean, I remember on the actual deadline day last year, uh, oh, just yeah. being incredibly disappointed. And I remember Lena and I were actually at a game in Washington. We were at the <laughs> Nationals Cubs game at the trading deadline day in. 2021, and both of those teams had just emptied out their their teams. The Cubs had traded Baez and Bryant that day, and Rizzo went to the Yankees, yeah. and then the Nats had traded, you know, Schwarber and Scherzer and a bunch and Turner and a bunch of moves. And we went to the game that night. It was like watching two Triple A teams. It was, and none of the guys that I had hoped that we had gotten from either of those teams. Of course, I didn't really think we were going to trade with the Cubs, but whatever uh, had happened, and it was just this incredibly disappointing feeling last year and that's why i kind of came into this year with no expectations for the deadline i mean it it's kind of i think without the hater trade that's what it would have been i mean last year we got daniel like you said daniel norris and john curris for the bullpen and i was very underwhelmed yeah and and i honestly think that if getting i almost i hate to say this but bush and rosenthal might be actually a worse haul than that Maybe not. I hope not. But, but I mean, it's really not, it's in that same realm of no one else wanted these guys. And, and well, so the Giants paid Rosenthal four point something million dollars a couple of weeks ago. That's a, that's a shock to me. I honestly thought Rosenthal, and this goes to the fact that I, I don't have any insurance providing me information, but I thought that Rosenthal was blissfully retired at this point. I mean, I hadn't heard anything about him since 2020. Well, he's still I guess in, I he's even him. still injured. He, he won't even be able to pitch till September. I know. That's what I mean. I, okay, so I, I thought he was out of base. I thought he was like yeah. running a baseball. I thought he was running a batting cage somewhere. Like I didn't know. <laughs> I really no idea. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the fact that we're paying him four point something million dollars, and it seems like the Brewers uh, on a very real topic. It seems like the Brewers did not have the Giants pick up any of that salary. By the way, no, and, and we traded Tristan P. Our number nineteen. Yeah, back. number nineteen prospect. Uh, yep. Yep in that move to me that was the crazy part so i thought okay if you're going to give up the prospect at least you save the money but it doesn't seem like that happened either <laughs> i mean like what what for a guy that we could have just signed for the same price without the prospect being given up probably for less money actually like three weeks ago and now that's the move that we made like it just it literally makes no sense like i'm waiting for someone to explain this to me in a way that makes sense and um i don't know what kind of Brewers podcast I need to listen to to actually get some information about this stuff, but <laughs> it's clearly not ours because I don't know. I don't know any of the answers to what Turns was thinking on this. Well, I'll say this. Um, 
when you boil it down, right, there's only a couple MLB teams that have never won a World Series. Two of them are the Brewers and the Padres. The Brewers, um, at the time of this trade, were 12 games over 500, three games in first place in their division. The Padres were 13 games over 500, so basically the same as us. But they were, what, 12 games behind the Dodgers? So they're fighting for a wild card. There's only 55 games left in the season. I don't think the Padres are going to catch the Dodgers. But who knows? It's baseball. Anything can happen. But either way, one franchise sold their marquee player. The other one acquired the best, like, one of the best relievers in the game and one of the best bats in the game. So which, if you're a casual fan, which one do you want to root for? I mean, it, yep. it kind of just feels like I get it. There's diehard fans out there. We're some of them. Our listeners are definitely some of them. You guys are awesome. But um, it, I feel like this just pushes away the casual fan. How can you? How can you do this? I don't know. Juan Soto is not only acquiring the best hitter available in baseball. It's actually been said, and I agree with this, that he may very well have been the most the most talented 23-0 hitter ever available via trade in Major League Baseball history. I actually agree with that. I I mean, it's unbelievable. And so, yeah, it it doesn't make sense to me. It really does. I mean, and and what's really funny is it's very possible the Brewers (laughs) and Padres can still meet up in the playoffs in the first round. In fact, if it were to end today, the Brewers would be hosting three games against the San Diego Padres in the first round. And it would either one of two things. It'd either be awesome. The Brewers would knock them off and Soto and Hader can go home while the Brewers advance or the opposite could happen where Soto blasts us out of uh, at home in Miller park and, and Hader shuts us down and we um, end our season. And, and, it, and it's just pathetic. I, I don't know which way it would, it's going to go. And, but I think the chances of the Brewers, Making the playoffs, which as of Sunday was officially like 77%, I think as of today feels like it's about 20%. I hate to say it, even though we're we're a couple of games ahead of the division still after, um, unfortunately, Carm Burns just lost to like the worst pitcher in baseball to the worst team in baseball. But uh, it is frustrating. But just to throw out there the last trade details, now that we've, we've thrown out the first two, our third trade that we made, or, or well, second of three actually, but um, we obviously acquired late yesterday also right-handed pitcher Matt Bush, the Texas Rangers for Antoine Kelly, a left-handed pitcher, a 6'6 left-handed pitching bullpen young stud that was in our top 10 prospects and someone who I thought was a possible future hater, future mini Aroidus Chapman, the good version. And we just traded him for Matt Bush, who is not only 36 years old, um, he was originally drafted number one overall, like a long, long time ago um, as a position player. Since that time, he is three and a half years in prison and is now a bullpen arm that has. I think two plus years of arbitration eligible early left, but is a real head scratcher of an acquisition, in my opinion. 
Yeah. Yeah, I think I mean, we really wanted I, – I don't know. I, I know we threw out Matt Moore as a potential, but unfortunately we did not get him from Texas, but we got another arm. <laughs> not the one we expected. <laughs> but I – I don't know. He's all right. Um, I don't have a lot to to really add to that. I mean, we've acquired now, even if you think that like Lamette and Rosenthal are like reclamation projects or something, um, you know, we still got two bullpen owners, but we gave away Hader. So um, I don't know. It's just, it, you can't help but be a little frustrated, but yeah, I don't know. I'm going to call him Dave Bush probably for the next, you know, well, as long as he's on the MLB roster, I guess, by accident. And that's just what happens. Time to give that's okay. Up. That's okay. Craig called uh, Zach Davies, Kyle Davies for all four years of Davies' time. Really <laughs> yeah, we're so glad. <laughs> Hopefully they assign him number 31. I'm going to dust off my old Dave Bush t-shirt jersey. Or jersey t-shirt and wear that but no i don't really want to even if he doesn't wear the same number nobody will know (laughs) (laughs) i I just want to add on really quick i think that you made a great point i think that that the the playoff odd percentage as far as how it feels uh 20 a little generous i mean that's just, I don't know what happened. Like, I mean, some of these other teams, we haven't even gone over to what some of the other teams that are in the wild card running did to improve their team. I mean, the Phillies brought in Noah Syndergaard. Um, the Braves brought in um, the Angels' closer, Iglesias. Yeah, Rossiel Iglesias, and also made a couple of moves, including adding Robbie, Gross, uh, Robbie Grossman from the Tigers was one of the bats that they brought in. Jake Odorizzi. They they brought, go to Rizzi for Wilkins, rotation right? yeah. depth. It's surprising to me the Brewers didn't even consider bringing rotation depth. With that being said, to kind of wrap up this podcast, cast on some type of positive note, Freddie Peralta no. making his return from the in for, uh, returns as a starter tomorrow and for tomorrow's game, August third game, yeah. and Adrian Great. will probably be back soon after that. So. Um, yeah, I guess let's make the most of what's left this season and maybe we'll shock and surprise everyone and still win the division or still make the playoffs, knock out the Padres, Dodgers. All the players we were rumored to acquire, I guess we just either weren't traded or traded to other teams. I mean, the Dodgers acquired Joy Gallo just to be like bench depth probably. I guess he would have been a major acquisition for us, but we just didn't do that. Um Ramon Laureano was another heavily rumored player. He stayed with the A's, at least. Uh, I mean, it's kind of shocking some of the guys that didn't get traded. It, it just was surprising to me that, like, it seems like for someone like Nelson Cruz to not get traded, like, why, if you're the Nationals, would you want to keep on him? He's an impending free agent. He's, like, 41 years old. His bat still plays, but you have no need for him. Why wouldn't you just take anything that is offered, anyone that would take on the rest of his contract? Maybe the Brewers weren't willing to take on the rest of his contract, but if that was the case, why on earth would we be wanting willing to take on four point million of Trevor Rosenthal's contract when he's literally just going to be in a pile of other right-handed relievers that we just acquired? I don't get it. But anyway, go Brewers. Yeah. Yeah. And one quick note before we sign off for this podcast, um, 
is uh, congratulations and welcome back to Jonathan Lucroy, who will be inducted into the Brewers Wall of Honor uh, part of the game on Saturday, but um, who did retire as a Brewer today. Um, obviously, a, been a key member of the Brewers uh, back since when he was called up. And I want to say 2000, uh, Scott, you can confirm this with your interns, but let's say 2009 or 10 uh, until we traded him in 2016. I think it was 2010 to 2016. Um, so congrats, though, to Jonathan McCroy. Glad to see him retire as a brewer, and congrats on getting his, uh, his spot on the Wall of Honor, along with, uh, of course, uh, career brewer Ryan Braun, um, who will be inducted on Saturday as well. Yeah, Jonathan, awesome. he was probably one of the best pitchers of that 10-year period of time, you know, with, like, Buster Posey and Yadier Molina. And he, I think in 2014, he did finish, like, in the top five of NL. MVP voting even so as a catcher he was very valuable for the window of time that he was a brewer and uh after we traded him he kind of started going downhill rapidly but um but yeah I mean obviously yeah good timing on that come back to retire as a brewer it's pretty cool and uh he was always a fan favorite and a great player all around definitely one of the all-time best brewers definitely catchers so congratulations Head out to the oh, ballpark uh, as the Brewers take on the Reds this weekend. They are going to honor the the 1982 team, and um, I do know that you know obviously it's it is kind of funny at this point that the Brewers are honoring a team that lost the World Series. But that being said, on a very personal note, my dad will be out there, um, and he is going to get a chance to walk around the field, and they're going to honor not just the guys on the team but the front office as well, which is uh, which is pretty cool on a selfish note. That's so awesome. I, wish I could be there for that. He will be there on Saturday with the uh, with the team from '82, so pretty happy for him on a, on a personal note. Oh, that's that's, that's going to be on Saturday. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Saturday they've got him uh, going out to the field, and he'll be there. And a lot of the guys from the '82 team will will be in town, including um, he said Paul Molitor, Robin Yao, and Raleigh Fingers, Ted Simmons are all confirmed. Uh, Jimmy Ganner, a number of the guys. So there's there's at least I, I would say like 15 guys from the team that are confirmed and. Others that are expected to come in at the last minute. I, I think Mike Caldwell's confirmed. And um, anyway, it should be it should be a fun weekend uh, at the ballpark. Yeah. Wish the Brewers, you know, still going to be out there with Josh Hader as part of the festivities and you know a big bat. But wasn't the case. But anyway, still if you're in the area and you're listening to this podcast. Love to love to see you out at the ballpark this weekend to support the team. 40th anniversary of the most cherished Brewer team of in their history. So, uh, yep. So, all right, we'll come on out yeah, to Fam Field. Um, don't give up on this team like the front office has, and uh, yeah, let's keep supporting. Well, that's the best. See, that's what I kind of wanted to ask, like just to sort of put a bow on this trade deadline thing or whatever. Obviously, the Cardinals made some great moves, but um, I, I guess I'm wondering um, if if we could maybe give a hot take as far as like it, is this Brewers team a playoff team? Is this a division winning team? Is this a world series contender? Like I personally, I think that I think we can still sneak into the playoffs, but now we're going to have to take the wild card long road because I think we just handled the division. Cardinal. I think we just, I think we just gave it to them. But um, I mean, don't get me wrong. Anyone can catch lightning in a the bottle. There's still a chance that this team could, you know, wind up sneaking into the playoffs and they have the pieces in place, at least from a pitching standpoint, where if they could shut people down, I, 
this team could still win a World Series. But I just think that we're not as good as we were, unfortunately, just a few days ago. And uh, I I think we're a fringe playoff team. It's about a, to me, it's about a 50-50 shot if we make the playoffs. And uh, I don't think we're going to win the division. But that's just me. I think – Yeah, I, I said to agree. God, I hope that you're wrong, but – you know, it's one of those things that with the with the expanded playoff format. And again, this is that whole bite of the apple comment from Stearns, and it kind of drives me nuts. But you know, they're going to take advantage, of course, of the new format where more teams make the postseason and call it a call it a day. I, you know, we've all been to a lot of ballparks around Major League Baseball. Honestly, Milwaukee is the only one that I know that puts up like made a playoff appearance, and you know second or eighth wild card or whatever in 2020 like no we need some world series banners and you know i think that the front office seems very content to sneak into the postseason and call it a day um you guys may have just seen the comments i sent you from josh Hader, kind of to that same effect but you know it's bothersome that that sort of viewed as the end-all be-all um is just making the postseason i i'm looking forward to the day when we're actually going to win a world series Absolutely. And and that's the frustrating part of it. I mean, just, I mean, there, I think that they even came on and said that like, this is prolonging our competitive window, so to speak. Um, that's all well and good. And I like the fact that we made the playoffs for straight years and possibly this could be five, even though I think we only have like a 20% chance of getting the last wild card now, but that's me. Um, but Let's just so what if you'd ask any Brewer fan, would you rather make the playoffs? Let's say eight straight years would not win a World Series, or would you rather win win the World Series, make the playoffs once but win the World Series? I I can't imagine anyone saying that they wouldn't want to win the World Series. I mean, it doesn't make sense to me. I mean, that's what you play for. You play for a championship, and and, and then you can rebuild. You build your fan base. And, after you win a, a championship, I mean, you can retain that and the memories from that, whatever. And then if you have to rebuild, you rebuild, and then you cycle. That, that's a cool thing about baseball. You cycle through these things. I mean, you have some. And, and the cycles are becoming shorter too, Craig, to your point. Yeah. I mean, not to interrupt, but the cycles are becoming shorter. You know, back in like the 90s or before, I would say that the cycles were longer. It was like six, seven year you know eight years before you yeah. really had a core group played the minors been drafted together whatever came through and then had enough major league experience to be competitive losing in the playoffs and then making the playoffs again and going further now i feel like the the whole rebuild cycle can be three years four years you know i i think yeah it can be a lot quicker playoffs, it can be a ton quicker a lot quicker it could be two years if you're willing to spend more than 120 million on payroll yeah, I mean, there's that too. I mean, and just saying. And again, as frustrating as it as it might be, I actually do not blame any of the Brewers' current troubles troubles on the land the economic landscape of Major League Baseball. I just don't. I I think that this is purely a, you know, this is a this is a kind of an ownership slash front office mentality thing, and I think that that's really the issue at hand here. And I I don't think that there was any economics of baseball that made trading Josh Hader a necessity this season. I just don't. Didn't I just like an episode or two ago go on this huge rant about how like, you know, Wisconsin 
sports fans, they they really don't get exactly what they deserve. Like, cause we really are a bunch of rabid fans. I mean, everything Wisconsin. I mean, nobody travels better than, you know, I mean, yeah. Brewer fans travel well, Badger fans, yeah. Packer fans. Like, I mean, the Bucks yeah. won it all last year. Like, I mean, we're really excited. We're great sports fans, but yep. we deserve better than this. I mean, I, I don't know how else to say it, but it's, it's frustrating. I don't know. And, yeah. and this, this is my own personal, like, just stupid thing. But um, when Stern says bite at the apple, all I think of is the big apple. And I think of all the rumors of him like, wanting to go or the Mets wanting to get him. And I'm like, uh-huh. you need to come up with a different analogy. Because I know that this is, like, obviously, you know, it's a weird connection. But at the same time, I'm like, nah, like, you got you to gotta word that different. It's no good. I, you know, I, I think this is a fairly consistent theme of his and it has been for a while. I think that David Stearns is, has been a great GM at getting the Brewers to be consistently good enough to make the postseason. I do not think that he is a good GM to push the Brewers into that final stretch drive that it, it's going to take to make a World Series. And I have said that on this podcast before, just this deadline, but I will also say that this deadline has really made me kind of assess a few things. And it is one of the most depressing days I've had as a Brewer fan after realizing that yesterday's trade wasn't setting up something bigger today. That was my hope uh, after, that after yesterday that we were going to be setting the table to do something incredibly big today and using either the guys that we got or the space in the roster, whatever it was, it was setting the stage. And for that not to happen today was, uh, that's a little, little disappointing. And on the flip think, side, I yeah, we all went through the 90s. <laughs> Go ahead, Scott. I just, honestly, I just wish that, I wish that the Brewers front office and ownership would want to win a World Series as much as Brewer fans want us to. That's it. And on the flip side of what Vince said, as far as, how what Stern's MO is as far as keeping us consistently competitive. Um, the flip side of that is again, like the normal ebb and flows of a baseball cycle, so to speak, uh, over the course of years. One of my favorite moments in when we were peaking out and uh, finally our cycle uh, from, you know, obviously our tenure as employees of the Milwaukee Brewers, uh, the, the four of us that do this show together. Um, was when Doug in 2008, when Doug Melvin at the trade deadline went out and, and he actually uh, acquired CC Sabathia, who was at the top of his game at the time and paid up to do so. And he came out at his press conference, one of my favorite moments during that, that <laughs> era, so speaking, it was like, and he just said point blank, he's like, well, we're going for it. And I would just, I would do a back if David Stearns, this trade deadline, or if he's still with us next year, came out and said this said and actually did the same thing rather than um you know three weeks ago where he's like oh, we're not planning on doing much i mean we we, we put the, we built this team in the offseason and we we like what we've got here or so i i'd i'd much i'd just do a backflip if david stearns came out next trade the line was like you know what guys we're going for it and trade away our prospects and make an actual push all of our chips on the table and actually go for it but unfortunately, we're going to have to do that next year without the services of Josh Hader. So thank you for that, Mr. Stearns and Mr. There's a reason. 
So there's a reason why um, the theme of our podcast is why are you building me a buttercup just to let me down instead of I'm a believer. Just put it that way. <laughs> I didn't want to say it until after the season, but yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I hope more than anything we make a huge run and somehow win the World Series because we do still have some great, great pieces. But the, like, like you said, our odds of winning the division, our odds of winning the World Series went down during this trade deadline because we wanted yep. to give up 2022 for more bites of the apple in 2024 or something like that. I don't know. Well, and I mean, well, on that, let's not yeah. be all doom to just not end on a doom and gloom, though. I mean, it's very possible that Trevor Rogers could outpitch Josh Hare for the rest of this year. You just don't know. It's very possible that yeah, absolutely. Know, these prospects will be borderline all stars at some point rather than um, back end starters or bench pieces. It's very possible Nelson Lamette can make the all star game last next year as like a setup man for the Brewers. It's very possible that Cashin Hero could come back and be inserted in the middle of the lineup this September and all of a sudden be the all star that we were envisioning he'd be. And then now, <laughs> not with Colton Wong on the roster, still he's not going <laughs> to even play. <laughs> Scott, we've got the DH, oh, and it's very possible. Yeah. Um, Kristen Yalich could continue being like the best leadoff hitter in baseball uh, as he's reinventing himself. So um, it's not all doom and gloom. The Brewers could just make a surprise and shock the world, and still, I mean, we are still in first place. So, I mean. We are controlling our own destiny, and who knows? Maybe that maybe this team of bullpen arms that we just, you know, acquired, and the return of Frey Peralta, and is all all we really needed to push us over the top. And our offense is just fine, and we've got the guys what we need in the minor leagues or something. You know, you just never know. So let's just hope for the best yeah. and play out this season. And and uh, we could maybe just be a surprise team, or people are writing us off, but but we still perform well. So we'll see. Um, They'll make a movie about it if we win it all, right? I mean. Absolutely. Well, there's that. (laughs) So Um, quit pouting, Devin Williams. We're going to need you the rest of the way. So, all right, here we go. I'm just glad that he's, I'm just glad that Devin Williams is hurt um, mentally this time and not physically. He didn't like just start punching things. So that's a plus. Not over Um, yet. Not over yet. Well, yeah, that's true. Maybe we got some time. But I will say this. Here's a very positive thing. Christian Yelich is learning to beat the shift as a leadoff hitter. He has gone the other way several times and, like, just uh, laced balls, waited back on pitches and served them into left field. Um, that's pretty awesome. Like, I'm not necessarily – obviously, like, I think that the – the best years of Christian Yelich somehow, like, I mean, those unbelievable MVP-esque years are um, maybe a little bit behind it, but the fact that he's even doing that is like a huge deal to me. And uh, it makes me think that, yeah, he could, he, he might be a, a leadoff hitter for years to come at this point. Yeah, that's good guys. Well, uh, let's hope so. And we'll analyze that on our next podcast, which uh, at which time I'm sure Scott will be answering questions from our mailbag. Remember to send us email questions, uh, Brew Review Podcast with an S at gmail.com or give us 
A follow at Brew Kirby one on Twitter where Scott is posting polls left and right. <laughs> All right, stay classy, Brewers front office, and go Brewers. Go Brewers, guys. Go Brewers. Do, 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 do.